You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have uh, Greg Paulson. He's the head of applications engineering at Zometry. It's spelled X-O-M-E-T-R-Y dot com. That's their website. Uh, Greg, thanks for coming. Hey, really happy to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, so what is Zometry? It sounds like some uh, Frankenstein monster of geometry. Yeah, it, so I always like the idea when you're you know trying to name, you can either name it like literal, you know, like manufacturing services on demand or something like that, or you can uh, build That's a name. boring, yeah. Yeah, build a name and then give it identity by, you know, actually doing the job so well that they're like, that's, that's zometry there. Uh, and what we do is uh, um, we make manufacturing easy uh, for custom parts. And we've done this by revolutionizing the kind of established manufacturing industry by adding uh, tools like AI, machine learning, um, a new concept called manufacturing as a service and kind of combine it all so that so that for a customer they can procure parts in one location yet still have this ability to uh, take advantage of the talents of essentially a gigantic manufacturing network of thousands hmm. so what are some of the um, the challenges the things that you're helping people to overcome yeah so this is a, I like to call this the pain of procurement uh, Traditionally, and this is by traditionally, I mean, even like five years ago, um, you know, this is why this is so, so different is like, you know, four or five years ago, and a lot of companies still uh, nowadays, when they need to source a custom manufactured part, or a finished part, uh, you know, 3D print, something like that, uh, they typically do this shotgun approach, um, where you're working on a local basis with maybe a list, of, you know, four or five uh, folks, you're creating what's called a technical data package. And you are taking those files, uh, maybe a drawing uh, showing what the file what the files needs to be, and a spreadsheet that says, "Please quote quantity one five twenty five fifty one hundred, and you BCC chain this and shoot it out, and you wait. And during this wait, you know you may hear back from them, you may not. And sometimes it takes several days to hear back. And sometimes when you hear back, it's it's not even what you're looking for really. It's a when do you need them by, or it's another, you know, another question. Uh, and we came with a, this idea at Zometry to put technology right up front. So instead of that, what we call the RFQ, right? The request for a quote. Um, what if you just got pricing right away? What if the, uh, by using essentially a interpretation of the model and market-based pricing uh, that we've, we've generated over time, we, we've uh, allowed a customer to basically upload that file and okay. boom, have a price, have a lead time. And then continue to configure, and the price and lead time 
just will naturally update. So if you add quantities, you'll see price breaks happen. Um, and we do this for not just a technology, but a portfolio of common manufacturing technologies. So what, uh, how do you do this? How do you provide, I mean, projects can be complex and very different and mm-hmm. varied. So do you have a network of manufacturers with capability that are somehow, are they, are they, are you providing quotes in an automated way based on knowing the rules and, and capabilities of manufacturers? Or is this where they have to look in like a forum type system and say, hmm, I can do that job for this much and bid against each other? Like, how does it work? Yeah, so it's, it's not a bid system. That's what makes us really unique is uh, usually a bid system. If you're, if you're a supplier, um, you know, your pain of procurement, one is finding clients, right? And then the second one is uh, your, your competitive uh, area. Uh, so you may have your sweet spots where you are always a winner, um, but there are also things that you can do, but, you know, there may be other people that have their sweet spots there and you just don't know. It's, it's, it's you know, one-sided blind uh, for you. And, and same with the customer, by the way, they don't know what you're best at uh, either. So what we are, what we do is a two-fold system. So the first is, as you said, the pricing. Uh, we are, we've actually taken the data and feedback loop of us essentially pricing out parts, you know, getting the work and then using a network that we've established over time that has now grown to thousands of manufacturers, um, giving those uh, manufacturers work at a, at a price. And based off the price that the manufacturers take that at, uh, it's become our feedback loop. And our, and we have um, done some really interesting artificial intelligence and uh, really state of the industry um, research to determine what we call a market fair price. Uh, so we don't need to see the part beforehand. The part, it may be the first instance of this part ever will see the world and you can upload this and our system will interpret the geometry, um, determine based off the manufacturing process uh, selected, if not, we'll default to the cheapest process, which is typically a 3D printing process. Uh, it will go and uh, give you a price and lead time because it's basically saying this AI is going to say parts like this with this shape and this process typically cost this much on the competitive marketplace. And that is the price that you see. So you see this kind of buy it now, uh, fair price that can be distributed um, across, you know, a marketplace. That's What's, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And What's, the, um, the, have you noticed that there's a difference that uh, the price you're able to get for people is even lower than what they would get, you know, searching on their own? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the beautiful thing is when you add, so like this is called manufacturing as a service because we are the, we are this platform, right? We're a central, um, you know, as a service platform where both customer and provider are using the same platform uh, for their work. So it's this central location, but we get to know a little bit more about each. We know what the customer's uh, type of work they're looking for. Obviously, like they're specifying this work. And then we also know what our provider sweet spots are. So it starts off with this manufacturing provider putting in information, kind of like a profile. But we also learn more about them, about like what type of work they're taking and what we think the match, match will be. So we're actually able to offer a more competitive pricing to our customers than what they would get via the shotgun approach usually because we know the sweet spots of these manufacturers and we're able to essentially give these manufacturers projects that they actually really like to make. And so they can usually do that cheaper and quicker, which allows us to go across a broad range of technologies. Uh-huh. And Zometry has uh, you know, about a dozen technologies that we offer. So when I talk about that, I talk about like CNC machining, uh, sheet metal, injection molding. I have seven different types of uh, additive manufacturing. 
um, your uh, thing casting. Well, for, I'm probably for, um, a couple there. For people that don't know mm-hmm. how things are made, you know, like me, mm-hmm. I don't know if I look at a part, oh, it's urethane casting. You know? mm-hmm. what, what are some of the common things that we see in our everyday world and what are the methods used to make them, for example? Well, yeah, absolutely. So this is, it's really interesting because you're seeing, you know, I'm sitting in front, in front of a microphone right now. I have my laptop, um, uh, you know, monitor screens. A lot of what you're seeing there is injection mold. And that's typically more of a, you know, mass produced. We're talking, you know, orders and hundreds of thousands to millions of units, right? And injection molding is this process that is highly scalable because you put everything into a fixed cost, usually a steel tool. Um, if you're prototyping, sometimes it's an aluminum tool. But this tool is essentially the, the negative of the shape that you're going to make out of plastic. And you'll close that tool up, uh, inject it molten plastic and it cools to shape. The tool op- uh, opens up and you have a part. So that price to kind of close, inject uh, that material and open up is very, very cheap. So it allows these processes to scale. And that's really great when we talk about, you know, again, the, you know, my computer mouse. Um, but a lot of our world is custom. Uh, so when you go away from this massive manufacturing need to something that's custom manufacturing, um, usually that amortization, that scale gets a little bit uh, more skewed because that upfront setup may uh, also show very high. Um, for example, that cost of that steel tooling may show very high compared to the overall project, especially if I just need you know, a few hundred made or you know, 10 or 12 uh, for that. So when you look at custom manufacturing, a lot of times, uh, um, probably the best example would be something like an aerospace manufacturer component um, or a medical device, where there's still a need for high-level specification, uh, things like uh, complexity and geometry. Uh, but I'm throwing this into space, right? Or I'm, you know, this is a part of a, you know, of a device for a particular type of surgery or a particular set, set where the quantities needed are not as high. Um, right. So, so custom manufacturing is a little bit more of a of an interesting beast because it's not quite going to that full contract scalability, but it still is a very high demand because a lot of the work around you, like that ninety nine, uh, you know, that uh, yeah of the of that world, like you have uh, maybe you know, a few hundred needs, but the parts still need to be as good as something that's going to be, you know, fully contracted manufacturing. And we're able to find the right supplier for that and compare and connect them. Okay. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I was picturing when you're talking about injection molding, when the piece comes out, does it have like, you know, plastic hanging off of it, like burrs <laughs> or things like that? And uh, I know from talking to people about 3D printing that sometimes the finishing of the product is a real pain and it, you know, it, it makes the 3D printing not nearly as, um, you know, economically viable. So uh, does your system know, depending on the geometry of the part, not only will this method be, let's say, the fastest and the cheapest, but it has the less requirements for finishing of the part, or it has the tightest tolerances. And we know this is an aerospace part, so you're going to want this method for myriad reasons, not just as one thing. Yeah, and that's where it comes to strengths and trade-offs. So my my experience as an application engineer is kind of that that consulting role, and I, I work with customers on a daily basis uh, to help them determine what bets to choose. So when you talk about three D printing, I actually I think three D printing is an awesome uh, subject to touch on because in the past, and I mean up to this day, it's still extremely viable for prototyping. In fact, that's what it's been best known as. But what many don't know is that it's now 
being highly utilized for this, uh, you know, low volume production need, uh, you know, very often because the price per unit uh, has become much more commoditized uh, in the last decade, um, especially with processes uh, like uh, laser sintering, which will actually fuse a shape in nylon uh, using a, using a laser and kind of a nylon powder bed to make this three dimensional shape um, where you can stack a bunch of parts in a single build, you know, getting a better economy of scale. Um, but even processes where you're layering parts up with, say, a, a melted filament. So if you're, if you imagine those desktop 3D printers, there's industrial versions of those, and that's called fused deposition modeling. Um, even over the last few years, that pricing has gone down, and the quality of the prints has has increased. Um, so uh, a lot of times we've we found viable substitutions for. Uh, what would usually be a much more expensive process to make parts using things like 3D printing. And with this site that we have at, at Zometry, if you have a 3D model, um, it just requires an upload to go and click and compare and, and see what the price changes will be based off your quantities because there may be a scaling difference. Uh, you know, quantity one may be cheaper than this, quantity 10 may be cheaper than this, this option. Um, to your point about finishing, uh, we have, um, you know, not all 3D printing processes are the same, right? So, uh, if I'm layering with a filament, you may see that zigzagging type pattern. So uh, layer-wise, we kind of call those layer lines or stair-stepping, um, which show more mm-hmm. gradual contours. But if I go to a process that may have a base material that is actually liquid to start. So we have a couple of resin-based uh, processes like stereolithography and a process called digital light synthesis by a company uh, branded Carbon. Um, those actually have much, much smoother transitions. They look more like a like what you would have for the traditional molded part B because it's the base is this liquid resin that gets cured up and hardened um, on a layer-by-layer basis, kind of building that geometry. Um, the trade-offs with those very often are they are not directly a thermoplastic. So when I talk about ejection molding, a, a thermoplastic is something that will liquefy over intense heat. You know, it, it's, you know, it'll become plastic with with heat, so thermoplastic. And uh, a lot of these become more of a, what are called a thermoset, which is that they have a reaction that causes them to harden in place. A uh, good example is a urethane or, or epoxy. So if you're used to epoxies, you take this material as they compound together, they set in place, and they have a little bit of that, uh, that external heat reaction to them. Uh, but it's beautiful for 3D printing because I could cure these really intricate shapes without needing to do this, uh, you know, complex setup, like the printer will just print what you give it uh, and you'll get these out. And the advancements now are, instead of being like the advancements and setups and these, these fixed costs, the advancements have now become a material science advancements. Uh, oh, uh, oh. That, yeah. So like the carbon. So what what, DM, what okay. is the, um, what's the, you know, you have this great system and you found economies mm-hmm. of scale, you found sweet spots for manufacturers, you, you know, you found so many, mm-hmm cool efficiencies like what is the ultimate system you envision what are like all the things it would do yeah so so this is a you know we have these discrete manufacturing processes and we make really great parts very quickly and easy easily there's still a giant marketplace out there where um this transactional cost of sourcing is still huge so it's not just for a someone who's uh, a customer, you know, potential customer, a designer, an engineer, a procurement person looking for a supplier, but even suppliers need suppliers because, th- because they may not have um, all everything in, in house, like for example, finishing. So if I have, 
uh, say I had I create a copper part, but I want to make it make sure it doesn't corrode over time because it's an electrical conductor. I may gold plate that, so I may need to use a a plating service for that. So zometry has expanded. Um, you know, we first started with our reach in the United States, right? We have uh, so we have a, a U.S. manufacturing base. Um, we've had a couple acquisitions along the way as well, and we're actually ex- expanding to Europe as well. But we've expanded like our actual geographic location and the amount of uh, manufacturers that we have available. We've also expanded the venues in which these manufacturers can interact with each other. Uh, so we recently released something called the Finishing Services Network uh, that manufacturers who are getting the they're not getting turnkey parts from uh, Zometry directly can still actually access a network to get secondary services like post-processing, finishing uh, done in a very simplified manner. So still like a one single portal um, able to connect, you know, with, uh, you know, a plethora of manufacturers out there and get information back in order to get a successful project. So that transactional foundation for manufacturing is what we're really enhancing. Uh, and we're doing that again with the AI machine learned uh, um, options and we're making it very quick. We're making it very intuitive and we're taking away that opaque, uh, the, like basically the opaque nature that it used to be where you're just blindly sending it out and you're kind of blindly hearing back and you don't know why a price comes out a certain way. Like we're, we're mm-hmm. trying to create full transparency in the entire transaction process of the supply chain. What if you were, what if I was to want to make a part and so right now you, you give me back the best thing to do with it, you know, the best price and all that. I mean, what if you gave me back a range of options? Like, like what if I said to you, all right, I know there's trade-offs. I want to get this for the cheapest price, but I also want to have the least finishing work, the lowest lead time, the greatest interoperability, the, you know, the best Mm -hmm. wear, the blah, 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 you know, I, I wanted like 20 different things. Can you give me back four or five paths for this product so I can evaluate back in my shop, you know, all right, if we do this, this is what we'll get. If we do that, this, and do some planning on my end. Yeah, absolutely. Really so, sophisticated, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the site itself will do 90% of that work. Uh, so just going on the site and uploading your model, you can actually upload the same model multiple times over and essentially just put different processes in and you'll get that feedback right away. So you'll get that, you know, pricing trade-offs, uh, that information. Um, something that I also work on is kind of like the the guidance from our you know our actual in-person technical engineering team. So we have a uh, application engineering team uh, that you can work with and kind of have some discussions on like uh, kind of like what you're talking about. Like I want this, but I also want this, and so we will help kind of find that that middle ground or the optimum solution for you. Um, and of course, we also have built uh, free design guides, uh, resources. I do a lot of videos uh, and webinars. Uh, on this on this subject as well, so we're we're really trying to create a knowledge nucleus, like an entire uh, ecosystem around manufacturing knowledge uh, beyond just you know spending on a quote and giving you a price. We're trying to actually make you an informed customer and build that out. But yeah, mm-hmm. the site allows you to do all these options at once. In, in fact, actually, uh, BMW, who uh, has been a customer for of ours for quite a while and is also an investor of Zometry, they actually invested after being a customer. Um, they actually use us for uh, tooling options. So they make jigs, fixtures, and other tooling that they're using on their production line in their American plant. And these, uh, these jigs and fixtures very often are multiple technologies in themselves. So in the past, they may have sent this out to multiple providers and from their supply chain side now have to you know, juggle a few different providers, you know, getting this 
uh, maybe the CNC machine part uh, over here, getting this uh, plastic 3D printed part over here, um, and then having someone maybe do the assembly for them. Uh, we are able to actually take that all as just one order and maybe yeah. you know two, three, four different technologies that are just in this assembly alone. And we're able to basically kit, integrate, and get this, uh, get this manufactured. And we are now consolidating that entire supply chain to just Zometry. So for them, uh, you know, BMW, they're huge. You have, a, you, know, you have a vendor procurement list, right? You have to get approved suppliers. And it's much, much easier for them to approve Zometry and then at one click have 3,000 manufacturers than approve 3,000 manufacturers. And so yeah, they love us true. for that. Um, and yeah, we've, you know, GE, uh, Bosch, Dell, um, they've all been customers who eventually have become investors of Zometry as well for that kind of same reason. Like these, these guys are huge. They have massive, um, they have massive supply chain needs and they see the value add that happens when you, when you add modern AI, modern machine learning to, again, this very traditional, uh, supply chain where it's, it's like, I hope you have room for this. Can I throw this part on your, you know, on your machine? And sometimes the answer is like, uh, in two weeks. Yeah. And, uh, we, we don't like that. We like to work everything in parallel. I mean, you might, how many different manufacturers are you plugged into in terms of knowing their capabilities and sweet spots and all that? I mean, so, so yeah, we're around, well, how many? we're around 3000 manufacturing base right now. And we've, we've added what, more with what, a, with a acquisition in Europe as, as well. So we just actually acquired a shift.parts, which is now Zomdry Europe. And we're really excited about that expansion. So um, what percentage of the manufacturing market is that? you know, in Europe and in, I don't know if it's the U.S. or the other place, but. Uh, I don't know the exact percentage. I, I will say that there's still a lot of room to grow. Um, small business manufacturing is, uh, you know, in aggregate, a very, very large business for manufacturing uh, in, the, in the U.S. alone. And uh, it's, it's often understated when you look at, you know, a few levels up. Uh, usually, like if you see a political spotlight or something, they're talking about these major factories, like something that works for a major automotive factory. But behind every single one of these major factories is a smaller supply chain of dozens upon dozens of small business manufacturers. Um, something that's really important and actually something that uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm personally very proud of, you know, working for this company for is how we have been able to uh, positively affect uh, a lot of our small business manufacturing base by giving them work. So these these are, you know, these are hardworking shops, um, usually sub 20 employees. You know, some of them are, you know, sub five employees. And a lot of times the owner is also the machinist, right? The be, you know, the best, the best machinist in the shop sometimes is the business owner. And yeah. for them, they'll go onto Zometry's manufacturing partner network, the job board, and they will, um, they'll be able to find, you know, jobs that can fill their capacity um, if they have a, you know, for example, seasonality, say they're in the oil and gas industry, um, they may have seasonality on their jobs. They're able to actually fill their capacity and get work to keep their spindles running um, while they have gaps between orders. Um, sometimes this becomes their entire business plan. Some, uh, you know, we have a lot of, uh, some, I think we're up to like five, five plus uh, uh, manufacturing partners who have done over a million dollars of business uh, through Zometry's manufacturing partner network. And that's a growing list uh, all the time. We're actually, you know, I think uh, 2020 is going to be an amazing year to see a lot more of those, uh, uh, those manufacturers come, come about. You know, we've only been around since 2014. And yeah. building out, um, you know, building out the success of our manufacturers, sometimes their problem is no longer finding work. Their problem is growing. Like, how, how do I manage the growth of my company now and actually, like, really 
elevating because now we're we're adding jobs to uh, you know American uh, small businesses and it's it's you know it's very exciting and some of the stories that we see and that we hear from our manufacturing partners are just very moving. Well, this, the the thing is, at some point, you'll have a an overview of the manufacturing industry that no one else will have. You'll know all these different, um, you know, these companies, what they can do, what they like to do, where the holes are, where the lack of production capability is, et cetera. So that intelligence is, you know, it's a very powerful thing. Yeah, and I think we've, we've seen this all the time with, um, you know, big data machine learning is that uh, a lot of times the opportunity exists, the connection doesn't. So by adding this, we're actually connecting the what's the customer, what their project requires with those best to complete it. So we're actually connecting that, that open capacity and talent with the project needs. So we're able to hit the scope, um, you know, the price and the lead time uh, by using this approach. And that's, it's, it's really exciting because there's, there's a few ways to kind of grow a manufacturing business. And, you know, for us, it's, it's uh, making more capable platform, making more intelligent uh, technology solutions within that platform and kind of streamlining the whole process. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, what, what are some of the limits? If I want to make just a prototype, should I talk to you guys or is there a better place to go? Or, you know, if I want to make a hundred of a certain part, is that when it would be effective to go to you? Like, what's your market look like? Uh, so we have no minimum quantity. So actually, a prototyping is still a large part of our business. I, I kind of joke because I'm I come from additive manufacturing, applied additive manufacturing, and uh, by part count, additive is king. You know, where we are doing a bunch of piece parts uh, and even small small volume production uh, with additive manufacturing technologies. Uh, you know, both plastics and metal at additive manufacturing. Uh, but by revenue, uh, you know, a CNC machine job is still, you know, more expensive because there's, there's, you're, you're paying for that talent, you're paying for, you know, the setup costs and, and the uh, million of those parts. Uh, so the raw goods are a little more expensive there. So by revenue, machining is king, you know, machining and sheet metal are still, um, you know, very, you know, very strong in our, in our base. And that's something that we've found a lot of talent in. Um, so who's coming to us is usually, again, from that prototype and conceptual modeling stage. So a lot of that's going to be 3D printing um, and building up a, you know iterative design process coming through. Um, we have 3D printing technologies can be used for end use. And sometimes you just need three or four, you know, fantastic uh, uh, process to use for um, those low volume end use requirements. Uh, but we can also scale. So because we have this expansive network, we're able to you know, go from say a 3D print and then move to, you know, higher fidelity print for, um, for fit checking and then move to something like injection mold. So like what I described earlier, where you're able to then think about, think of volumes of thousands. Um, you can move, uh, move in that direction fluidly with sobentry and we can help work with you as you scale up. And sometimes that includes that kind of uh, consultation um, interaction between your your design and the process you're looking for. So that's where we really focus on that knowledge is uh, sometimes you have to modify, uh, actually almost all the time you have to modify your design when you scale because every little bump, every little nudge, every little thing that may cause a, you know, a few seconds interruption in manufacturing is going to cost, you know, a lot of money over scale. Uh, so we're, we're really there to help communicate that through. Are you guys, are you the nicest guys in the manufacturing industry? Sounds like. Well, it's because we're not sitting there with a spreadsheet all the time quoting. I like the th- yeah. I like the thing that we are able to focus more with the customer and kind of learn more about their project. So I, I've That's enjoyed great. it because 
I've been the guy, I've been the guy with a spreadsheet quoting before too. And uh, when you're spending, you know, 80% of your day, you know, for projects that you don't know if you're going to win or not, uh, yeah. that can be challenging. Um, so, you know, for, you know, for me, if, you know, as a, as a supplier and buyer, and, you know, you know, a lot of my cases, um, the, the, the fluid nature of the whole process and transparency upfront is, is absolutely fantastic. It allows you to really focus on the service end of manufacturing. Well, I mean, even if I have a company and I'm manufacturing something for a long time and now I'm ready to scale, again, you can step in and help me. Because you could say, hey, I know you're making it with this method, but mm-hmm. you change to this method, here's the trade-offs and it may help you scale. And if you, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of times I ask this question, which is, you know, um, where's your project in six weeks? Where's your project in six months? And where where is it in six years? Because a lot of times that there's different goals, right? Sometimes it's, uh, you know, quick internal testing. It's, you know, what we call like on the engineering floor, we have something where I'm going to probably get the part, but very likely I'm going to take a drill bit and, you know, drill in here and, and uh, sand and kind of modify this to, as I work through and maybe get a few iterations uh, uh, through to validate. And then I may go to market testing where I don't, I have an idea what my market is, but I don't quite know what it is yet. So I may find a bridge method. So when we talk about bridging is usually a method between that prototype and whatever the final production is going to be. Uh, and sometimes it's that, that final production method, like a bridge tool, but it's just a cheaper way of doing it. So a tool that may really only be good for like 25,000, uh, 50,000, where ultimately you may move up to something that could you know, produce millions. Uh, but you're going to be an order of magnitude cheaper going this direction first, and you're able to validate the market and figure out if you need to change your design or if the market exists and, and work that through. So we have a, a lot of uh, ways of, kind of staging out and talking about those trade-offs as you're working through your design and your process and, and, and connect through. Um, and it's, you know, I think that's one of our strong points is that, that have it your way approach uh, because we have all these options. We're not just trying to sell a single brand because that's the only brand we own, right? We are, we're trying to yeah. uh, figure out what your needs are and look at um, our portfolio and find the right solution. That's pretty cool. Excellent. All right. So what, what's the best way for uh, people to get in touch? Should they just go to zometry.com or is there more preferred methods? Yeah. Uh, the website, uh, I say the quote site will sell itself. Um, so X O M E T R Y.com. Uh, if you have a 3d CAD model, you can upload it right away. And like I said, that price will show up immediately and you can start playing around with different, uh, um, you know, materials and processes. Um, you know, my name is uh, Greg Paulson, and and I I'm a lead our application engineering team here at Zometry. And uh, if you guys do Twitter, I'm Zometry Greg, uh, and uh, you guys can find me on uh, uh, LinkedIn as well. But I'm always happy to talk about project needs and make sure that you're connected with the right um, right person uh, to help kind of guide guide through. We also have some really cool resources on Zometry's side. So even if you don't have something. Uh, Quite ready to quote. I highly check it, or I highly recommend checking out um, our resource page for the design guides. Some really cool videos. We have recorded webinars. We have FAQs. Um, there's a lot going on around that knowledge base area, and that's something that we're really strong about is, is building a better knowledge base. So because we want you to be a better designer, you know, it, it's it's better for everybody. Manufacturers like to make your parts more. You get better success out of it. So we have a we have a lot of resources available. Um, around the entire design part manufacturing community. Well, that's excellent. Well, I appreciate you coming. It sounds like, uh, I mean, you guys sound extremely friendly and helpful and uh, <laughs> you've got a lot of great capability. So it's a magical, good mix. I mean, it, I, I, 
I think I wish I had uh, things to bring to you, but maybe I do. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's it's exciting. I I think zometry just in general from a you know the future of supply chains. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has uh, supply chain deficiencies. Where what I'm talking about for getting a custom part is very analogous for other things. You know, in in the health field and and just in general getting stuff field. It's like a and I think Zometry is one of these leaders where they're looking at this movement of building it, you know, a central platform, building a, you know, qualified network and ways of qualifying and monitoring that network uh, for, for quality control. And all this stuff is very analogous for, uh, you know, other industries where they may be ripe for essentially, you know, a, a technology disruption. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Greg, again, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. All right. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.